J-Lo. Yes. We just turned off the fans so we could focus on doing this for a little while without too much of a noise disruption. Yes. And it's pretty cool in your apartment. Yes, it is. Surprisingly, actually. (laughs) But when I was up earlier today, I tuned into the local news and they have upped their estimates saying that today we could hit 113 or 114 degrees outside. Oh. Uh, which is, again, historic highs for the Portland metro area. Yeah, that is insane. Insanely hot. Mm-hmm. I've never been in that type of weather before, and I'm thankful I don't have to go anywhere outside. That's I have just, to leave. I know you do. But I think I'm going to wait in your lobby until it says that the lift is like a minute away. No, I get it. I get it. I totally understand. Um, I, I get it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to wait outside. Yes. Yeah. When I got up this morning, you had turned off the fan. I did because I started to feel cold. Uh, mm. It's a very weird thing be- considering the, you know, vast difference in temperature between here and the actual outside. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, while we're here, cool in this apartment, it's like blazing hot out there and, I know that I've been in 104 degree weather outside and that is awful. That's awful anyway. But can you imagine 10 degrees above that? That's crazy, babe. That is crazy. Oh, I, I, I would imagine that, um, uh, it wouldn't take long for me to get a sunburn. Not at all. Not at all. Ah, yeah. Not good. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. That's okay, babes. You knocked the recorder out of my hand. I didn't mean to do that. I'm That's sorry. okay, babes. So yeah. love you. Yes. We just got done listening to the Gospel of Paul. <sighs> Not that Paul. Paul Davidson from Clubhouse. Clubhouse Paul. Yes. Different Paul. <laughs> uh, yeah. A Paul that's still alive. Yes. Yes. You were a little bit critical of a new. The only thing I can, well, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't her. It was just like her mic was too soft. It was. It was too, the volume. I don't know what was going on with her volume, but I could not hear her. And I'm like, talk into the mic, speak louder, do something. Cause I can't hear you. I'm, I was surprised that Paul could hear her. Well, especially when you have Paul, who's very verbose and has a lot of energy. He seems very animated. Yeah. I, it may have just been a bad connection or something was wrong with her mic. Because I was able to hear him. Yeah, you could hear Anu, but you really had to focus on that. Yes. 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 Yeah. But it's okay. They got through it. What did you think of the upcoming stuff on Clubhouse and them talking about features? I thought it was kind of interesting. And I also thought that there was, um, um, cause, cause he, cause Paul was talking about the, um, small, having smaller conversations mm-hmm. and not to make it larger. I think it's a really cool idea, actually. Yes. And um, having like um, uh, a room where it's 24 hour political talk, whether whatever side you're on. Did he say um, 24 hour political? Well, not 24 hour, but daily rather. Yeah. Daily, not 24 hour. Um, That would be crazy. Uh, daily uh, political thing, which actually might work. Uh, as long as there's no trolls that are trying to, uh, troll the room. Yeah, but you can always kick those people out. Yeah, she could. But I, I also like the idea of, um, I think he, isn't he trying to figure out a way to, um, be able to close down the room if it gets too big or? I don't think so. They want to make the rooms 
bigger, according to him. Bigger? Okay. Yes. Because, so right now, the only reason that they have a limit on room size is because they, they're not sure if their servers would overload if they had more people. Right. So that's why they set it to 8,000 people. But he said today and in other rooms that he wants to increase it and just have it to where as many people who want to enter a room can. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Very good. Any other takeaways from the town hall? Uh, no, because I got to listen to it towards the end, so right. I don't really have a lot to say about that. Well, good. And I'm not a clubhouse member, so oh, I don't, I don't have any comments. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, <clears throat> you still need to work on discovery, but it's gotten a lot better. Discovery is where you have um, events, right? Yes, <clears throat> where you, you look at the calendar. You can find them easily. You know, because there's so many things going on on Clubhouse that sometimes you'll miss stuff that <clears throat> sounds really, really cool. Okay. Yes. Very good. Or you'll you'll see it on your calendar like a half hour after it ended. Oh wow. Yeah, it's like, well, I would have gone to that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's like, well, I I wish that people would have told me before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you will. Mm-hmm. Babes. Mm-hmm. Because of the heat. Mm-hmm. Last night, we ordered from Grubhub. Yes, we did. And it said sign up for a free trial membership. Yes. You know, and so I'm like, okay, well, let me sign up for this. And the price went from $31 to $36. That That is exactly why I, I, so I don't understand how that works because I have an account with them, but I don't have a membership. See, I was under the impression that you were a member until last night. No, after no, I no. Found out, of course. No, no, no. Not, uh, this, in this case, no, I'm not. Mm. Just like I'm not a member of Walmart and, um, I just, the, the grub up thing, I don't get, um, why the price would go up. Um, uh, and it could be, ju- it could be just the, um, the fees too, but, um, that was crazy. Um, I don't, I, I don't have a Grubhub Plus membership. So but you're, I don't know. when we're on the phone, you talk about them a fair amount and how good they are. Well, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I have a membership. I, I have just an account. I thought you told me that you had a membership. I did not. Okay. See, that's what you get for assuming. But we talked about them so much and you're always saying, oh, I love Grubhub. I, I do, but it doesn't make me a member. Okay, okay. There's a difference. <laughs> okay. Okay. I doubt I will be keeping this membership, uh, unless there's actual perks that I just don't understand. I will look at their website, but one, I don't want to order out that much. Yeah. And two, they are, they jack up their prices a fair amount, which I I get. I get you need to make a profit, but still. It, it depends, like, it depends on what you're getting too, because there are some things that are just way expensive. Like if there's a local thing that you like, if there's a, um, a, a, a restaurant local in your area, um, or even a food cart that some of them charge like $5 for the fee. And that could, um, that could increase the price of your food. Wait a second. So the restaurant has the fee. No, no. I, I mean, the driver, the, the, the delivery fee. It's, but it's, it's Grubhub that charges the delivery fee, correct? Uh, that's what I'm, yes. So it's not the restaurant who, who makes Well, it. well, what, no, wait, no, wait, I'm sorry. Wait, is it the restaurant or Grubhub? I'm not quite sure who charges. Oh. That I don't know. 
yeah, you've been up talking this app so much that Bugs? you have. Oh, let me show you about Guelph. I think it. I think it is the. I have to check on that actually. Okay. Because the delivery fee can make it so that whatever whatever food you get is a little bit um pricey. Um, and I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's dependent on the restaurant or if it's dependent on the. Uh, on Grubhub itself, I think it is a restaurant. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I still love you there, Jewo. Thank you. And Panda Express is pretty good last night. It is, and they do give you good, good portions, so I'm not complaining. But we almost didn't get it because they called your phone and you just hung up on them. No, I did not. Then, I did not hang up on them. I just didn't answer it because because the weird thing is that I. The number that I got on my phone was a number that has called me before, but it's whenever it's called me, I didn't, I, I, um, they would leave like a message, but it was a blank message and I never answered it because it, I didn't recognize the number. It was like a, a 503 number, but it wasn't a 503 number that I recognized mm. and it, I'm not going to give it here, but it was odd that it would pop on my phone when somebody was calling my call box. I'd never seen it before. So I sent you down to get the food. I did, and um, I got it right away. So. Yes, 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 yes. You said, because you had to leave your apartment for a quick minute, that it didn't feel terribly hot. No, it didn't, actually. It was surprisingly not that, but that I was only there for about a second. Yeah. 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 I was there for only about a, uh, a couple seconds at the most. Oh, good. Yeah. J-Wall. And um, I got it right away. The person was nice. And uh, that was it. And it was good. What did you have? I had, oh, I don't even remember, some chicken thing. It was teriyaki chicken with, like, maybe sesame chicken. Uh, you had greens. Greens, brown rice, and... um. Chowming, because I always get chowming. I had uh, white rice this time and fried rice. And then I had um, orange chicken, uh, mushroom chicken, and uh, walnut shrimp this time. And it was good. It was really good. And I still have some leftover mushroom chicken. That's good. That I didn't know was in the little... um, uh, the little uh, um, box. And I also got two fortune cookies because Alanda didn't want one of hers. No. Yes. I like fortune cookies, but I don't, I'm not really a... I, I'm, I'm a I mean, I don't like fortune cookies all the time, so I just gave it to you. Nice, nice. I hope you like it. That's right, babes. Yes. We were talking mm-hmm. about possibly... This is a little bit off topic, but not completely, about making our own version of the Klondike bar. Yes, yes, yes. A thought I had was we use like the waffle cone thing as a base. Yeah. But like not where it's like the circle, but where it's just, you know, flat. Yes. We put on some uh, chocolate peanut butter ice cream. We use the magic, what's it called? The magic shell. Magic shell. Uh, put that on and then put on like a small piece of uh, brownie. Put another layer of magic shell and then top it with uh, sprinkles. Mm, that sounds so good. Yeah. The only thing I'm concerned about is I don't know if the magic shell 
is strong enough to hold a piece of brownie. So what we might want to do mm-hmm. is use the waffle cone as the base, put on brownie on top of that, and then some uh, chocolate peanut butter ice cream, use the magic shell, and then top it off with uh, sprinkles and put it in the freezer. Or another idea is we could make it into like a cupcake cone where instead of the brownie, we could put like um, a cupcake in there and then top all that up, uh, top all of that with the sprinkles. That seems like that would be a little bit too big, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've, uh, I know that it's possible to make a, a cupcake in a cone. So, um, but I haven't had it with ice cream. Oh, it sounds good though. Yes. What about that idea you had with the um, heart-shaped cakes? What about it? Um, we could do something like that. Mm-hmm. Or make like heart shaped brownies. I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't have to be for Valentine's Day, but just something cute. Um, we could. and put whatever, um, you know, like peanut butter, chocolate ice cream, whatever ice cream we choose. Yes. And then do that and make the brownie as a base. That is possible. Yeah. Yes. If you don't want to work with the cone, cause that, that could be a little bit complicated. Yeah. I like the idea of starting with making our own Klondike bars though, but I don't know. We don't necessarily have to do that. I don't know. That's an idea, though. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It would be a cool idea for a fun uh, summer dessert. I could see you doing that. Yes, babes. Yes, I have gotten in the habit of recording some of our conversations. Uh, but so, and I'm not talking about when we're doing this, right? And you have gotten in the habit of not being very thrilled with that. No. Yes. <laughs> no. So I, uh, because I'm a man and I respect my wool man. Do you? I do. Okay. I did not record our conversation last night after watching the movies. Thank you. But I wish I had it because it was really good. Oh, 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 we had some laughs. <laughs> it was for like about an hour and a half we were talking in bed. Well, I, I really didn't want that conversation recorded because I just don't like a lot of you know, private conversations recorded. It's kind oh. of a. It was a good one, though. It was. Well, we had we had some laughs. I mean, we couldn't really fool around because of the heat, and you know, but we had some laughs, and we talked about PSAs, the NBC <laughs> ones that they did back in the nineties. The more you know, doom, 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 and I didn't even know that those had a title. Yes, and it was funny because. We were like, hey, what if, what if we did a skit where there was like, it started with serious PSAs and yeah. it just said, hey, where's my wallet? Doom, 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 doom. My sister's dead. So that one deserves a little bit of context. That was an Alana one, which is really good. Alana told me that, uh, Macaulay Culkin's sister died. Oh, that was so sad. It was, it was so and that's sad. That's why made fun of it. And then we started getting on the topic of the more you know PSAs. And then you're like, what if they did one where it's like, my sister said, ah. <laughs> I have to bury her tomorrow. Ah. <laughs> where's my wallet? <laughs> hey, where's my socks? <laughs> hey, I can't find anything in here. <laughs> Where am I? Where am I? <laughs> How old am I today? Yes. <laughs> am I really 90? <laughs> you know, and it, and it would be funny, like, if there was, like, a husband and wife, and the wife was looking for her stuff, and the husband's like, hey, why can't I find anything? 
Where'd you Where'd you put my socks? Ding 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 ding. And yes. I was like, I was like, that would be hilarious. It was fun. It was fun. Yes, and then um, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then we discussed other, you know, the movies we watched, and but we're gonna get to that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll get to that soon, but not right now. <laughs> yes. I, as a kid, would all, and by kid, I mean from, I don't know, eight to somewhere in my early teens, would uh, get freaked out when I would see those PSAs late at night. Oh, yeah, I know. Because, you know, my mom was a nurse's aide at some point. They would so. want, they would scare people. I mean, I, you, well, explain to me again, Bubs, why they air these PSAs on TV and radio at late at the later so, hours? Well, I mean, part of it is, I'm sure, to scare people. But the other part oh, of it gosh, is yes. to, because there's less people watching, <laughs> it's a lot che- cheaper to buy advertising time. So oh, if you buy it during the day or, um, you know, during um, uh, prime time when they're showing shows like back in the day would be Friends or Seinfeld. If you notice, you didn't see PSAs during that show, no. those shows, because it costs so much money to advertise, uh-huh. right? But if you go late at night, you know, even if, though everybody loves taking an example of somebody who is popular in the 90s, Conan O'Brien. Yes. The fact of the matter is, ad time was a lot cheaper on his show than it was on Friends. So it, it, it led the way for people buying ad time or donating ad time like NBC would um, to their Now, now You Know campaign because yeah. it was so cheap. They weren't losing Oh, that that's time. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they would play those things... Well, they they probably played those things more at night. Yeah. But they played those things during like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and Blossom. I don't remember seeing those during those shows, and I I watched them fairly regularly when they were on. Yeah, they did the that in like little segments. Okay. But they probably played more of them, you know, when everybody was sleeping. Yeah. Except for me. Except. <laughs> I remember. When I was in college mm-hmm. and I would sleep in the living room and, um, I would watch Nick at night, uh, during, you know, in the evening. Cause I was just, it was just too quiet in there sometimes. Okay. And I would watch Nick at night, but I would hear like a, an ASPCA thing, PSA. And I'm like, Oh, this is horrible. Why would you play this like <laughs> early in the morning when I'm trying to go to sleep? I was watching Comedy Central one night. Yes. This was. Probably 2006. Yes. Because I was living in Honolulu. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just putting my head on your shoulder. Oh, okay. Very good there, Jewel. Okay. So it's 2006 in Honolulu, and I'm watching Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Right? It's late at night, and then all of a sudden, there's this this PSA, and it's about a girl who got killed because she met a guy online. Oh, no. And it's an advertisement against online dating. I think she was like 14. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. That must have scared you. Wasn't that pleasant to watch, though? No. Like, was there was there a um, celebrity on there that you noticed? I don't think so. That's when they have, like, the really low-budget ones, too, right? Yeah. But some of them can scare you mm-hmm. to death. You know what I'm saying? It's like... Okay, why are you trying to scare us? There's somebody outside your door right now who's a convicted felon <laughs> as getting ready to break in your house and rape you. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Bubs? What? Don't scare me now. Okay, babes. Yes, yes, yes. You're gonna die. Oh, okay, stop, stop. Okay, okay, do, get up. Do, do, do. Bubs. 
Enough, enough. Okay. Now, now you just now now it's just scary stuff. Sorry, babes. I did not know. Okay. Mm. But yeah, so uh suffice it to say, that's what it was like being a child of the nineties, watching PSAs. Oh, I'm sure they 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 still show them at night. I, I'm uh, I'm sure they do too. But how many kids? I mean, I'm sure there's some in really poor areas. But how many kids in, let's say, the city of Portland, for example, are watching network TV late at night? Um, I don't know. I can't. I can't tell. Probably. I don't know how people are able to. I don't know how people were able to um, find out how many people's TVs were on. Um, uh, during the day or something. Well, they had the Nielsen system and, it, and they still Nielsen do, waiting. but you know how that worked, right? How did that work? The way it would work is, and, and, and it was a little bit off, so it wasn't completely correct, but what would they, what they would do was they would, um, randomly select a certain number of households in a particular city. So I think Portland, it was like, I don't know, I'm just throwing off, off a rough number, like 2000. So they contact the family, and if the family agreed, they'd come to the home and they'd hook up something to the TV. And that something would say what channel the family was watching and for how long. They'd also take a survey of the family and find out, okay, how many working parents are in this family? Mm -hmm. Uh, Are they college educated? How many kids do they have? That type of thing. Uh, How many families are black? How many families Mm -hmm. are white participating in the study? Mm -hmm. And they would say this is a sample study. So based on how many Nielsen families are watching these shows, we can guesstimate the number of people who are watching it nationally. And again, there was some, there's some fishiness there, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe you're selecting families who just happen to, you know, like a particular show, but that doesn't mean the show is popular or the reverse could be true to where there's a show that a lot of people are watching, but for whatever reason, Nielsen families just aren't viewing it as much. Uh, but that was the way that they put together that particular program. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yes. I didn't know that. Do, 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 do. <laughs> okay, okay. This is a PSA of me explaining uh, how the Nielsen family do, works. Do, all right, all right, all right. Yes. I think we should segue off of the PSA thing. Did I tell you, babes, what? that um, <laughs> my household was uh, selected for the Arbitron ratings once? Arbitron ratings? Yeah, so Arbitron it was like the version of the Nielsen ratings for radio. Interesting. Yeah. And... So, so this was in 2000. I was 17. So I was still living with my mom. And so, but my sister had moved out. So we were both given Arbitron diaries. Now I think Arbitron does it a little bit differently. Arbitron diaries. Yeah. So Arbitron does it differently. Nielsen, I think, uh, it was hooked up to the TV and it would stay in your home. You'd be a Nielsen family for like two years. Mm-hmm. Arbitron, I think, was just for like a month, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And I, I was a big Howard Stern fan back mm-hmm. in the day, as you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had to lie about how much I listened and say I listened less than I did. Oh, you had to fill it out? Yeah, yeah, you have to fill it out. So they want, what did you listen to? They don't hook up anything up to your radio. So they, they, it's all on word of mouth. So it's not only what stations did you listen to? How long did you listen to it for? And if you can remember, what were they discussing or, you know, what songs did they play? Right. So they mm-hmm. wanted to suss your level of engagement. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember Howard Stern saying on the show a couple of times, the problem with our fans who listen to the show a lot is if you just say, we listen to Howard from six to 10 in the morning mm-hmm. and that's all you say, then mm-hmm. they'll think that you're lying and they'll just like completely neglect what you said. Really? So because I listen so much, mm-hmm. I actually had to lie and say that I listened less. I don't understand that. I don't, I don't get it either because they would think I- that you're just, you, you weren't paying full attention to the Arbitron thing. And okay. be- because most people, the philosophy of radio is, and I can tell you this because I took a broadcasting class before I did the Arbitron thing. Oh, okay. Is that you listen to three radio stations at a time and you say, well, how is that possible? Right. And the way it works is it's not that you listen to it every, you know, three radio stations every second when you're turning into the radio, mm-hmm. but it's that you switch stations so frequently that it might as well be at the same time, right? Oh, so, like, after one song, most people uh, flip to another station, mm-hmm. or they'll go to a talk radio station, but it'll go to a commercial two minutes after you tune in, right? So you'll flip back to another station, so it might as well be. At least that was the logic back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But I was part of an Arbitron family. And how, and how was your fam? How How is a family chosen to do that? It's just random. They just pull oh, out wow. names and then they ask you about your economic background and that's just of thing. like if a person's name was on a database. Yes. Okay. And enough time has passed. I may have filled out my mom's Arbitron diary too, but, um, that was over 20 years ago. So wow. You can't listen to me now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years later, Arbitron reached out to me again when I was living in Denver to offer me to be a, a, an Arbitron family. But by that time, I'd stopped listening to regular radio and was pretty much just on podcasts. I didn't follow through with it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Interesting. How do you feel about that? Wow. I can't believe that they would just choose people at random. Yep. And I can't believe that, that you had to, that people would have to lie and say they watch less of a, uh, listen to less of a, a radio show. So that it would get higher ratings. That's weird. I know. I know. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. At all. I know. It was weird. <laughs> How did you find that out? Because I, I listened to Howard Stern and he said that, oh. that, um, then I, no, th- he said this before I became like a arbitrary. Okay. Family. So you knew what was going on. Yeah. And he said the problem is people will say, uh, that they listen to the show from the time it starts to the time it ends. And Arbitron thinks that those people are lying. So they'll, they'll discount those ratings. Um, wow. so that's how I knew that if, cause I listen all like I'm a fan now, but I was a diehard fan back then. And so I knew that if I said I listened as much as I did, they would probably, probably discount it. That's just nuts. Yeah. But that is, that's not how the Nielsen ratings work. No, the Nielsen ratings, because it's just hooked up to your TV. Yeah. And realistically, what they should do, and I, everything I've told you is based off of things I learned in the late nineties and early two thousands. So I don't know if this has changed, but what they should do is have something hooked up to your radio or your TV to where it just counts a signal from that home and like randomly call people, you know, and say, well, what's your social economic background and trace it to their, you know, IP address. Right. So say, okay, uh, are you a professor? How much money do you make each year? That type of thing. And say, mm. okay, your IP address is this. We know that you watch a lot of, uh, 
you know, whatever show it is. And so we're going to say that this person's audience is affluent or very poor or whatever the case may be. Now that it's very possible that that's changed because more people watch shows on their smart devices and their smart TVs now, but back in the day, that's how it was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. How do you feel now that you got a little bit of an education? Wow. I, I just think that the, um, are the Arbitron ratings still around? I'm not sure. Probably not, right? Yeah. I mean, if people are um, going on, um, you know, listening to internet radio or independent um, artists, um, probably not as much. No, I know that Nielsen is still around in some form, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I'm assuming their methodology has changed. Well, that Arbitron thing doesn't make any sense to me. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm a fan of his show, and I want it to get high ratings, so I'm going to say less and less than I do. <laughs> it's funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I remember uh, one time I was listening to Howard. Mm-hmm. This was after the whole Arbitron thing that I was involved with. Mm-hmm. And he was reading some article from a guy who was selected to be you know, an Arbitron, uh, representative, right? Mm-hmm. And, and his family, they were taking the survey of him and his family. And he was a big Howard Stern fan, but he wanted people to think that he listened to NPR because he loved NPR. So he would slit, switch over an NPR. And in the article, he said, at some point during the first week, I just decided to donate to NPR to say that I listened to Howard. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> Kind of funny. Yes. No, actually, I'm going to donate to you, but actually, actually, this is what I really. This like. is what I really like. Yes, yes. <laughs> and they didn't know the difference. That's, <laughs> quite the oh, that's kind of underhanded. That's right, there. <laughs> kind of underhanded. Oh, yeah. Oh, I still love you, babes. Well, uh, what do you? What does that mean, Bob? I mean, I love you. I'm babes. not being underhanded. Well, good. I said that way of, uh, the, that system is underhanded. It is a little bit weird, but I think, it, I think it is starting to change. So. Oh, good. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yes. J-Lo. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm a little tired. Oh. But I'm, I'm, I'm awake now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to discuss before we get to the movies? I don't think so. Um, my, I'm just thankful that my apartment has stayed relatively cool so far. I have like 10 pounds of ice in my fridge and then I also, um, I may have made you overdo it. That also doesn't include the, uh, that also includes the ice in my ice tray. Doesn't include the ice. Doesn't include the ice in my ice tray. So I've got like a 10 pound bag of well, it's better. I guess it's better to overdo it than underdo it, right? It's somewhat possible. I convince you to over prepare for this. Yeah, but that's okay. It's um, it's better that I over prepare than not be prepared, right? That's right, there. You can never be too prepared, I guess. That's right. Well, I mean, it's hard, but yes, you can't be over prepared. You can't be over prepared. So, right? like, you know those doomsday people. Yes, I mean, here's, here's, I, I, yes, I, I understand like they have like a bunker with food and. Yeah, and their kids like have never been around other kids because the parents always thought the apocalypse is hitting tomorrow. Yes, it. yes. Yes. I understand, um, people having like emergency preparedness kits. Yeah. Cause it's always good, 
but some people are super um, overly doing it. I think it's ridiculous. I knew the Sky Babes mm-hmm. way, way back in the day. This is almost 20 years ago. Wow. And he was somewhat older gentleman, maybe in his early 50s. He said that he sent his wife and kids away to live on Mon- in Montana for when the government breaks down. And he estimated that it would be in like another two years that the, before there was complete breakdown in our society and that him, that his family was storing food in Montana while he made money and sent it to them to store supplies. That's, that's craziness. Yeah. But apparently there's a lot of militias in Montana. And uh, now I want to clarify, I, to the best of my knowledge, this guy was not involved in any militias. It was just his family who was, you know, extreme doomsday preppers. But, um, and that's, I didn't, and I didn't crazy. know him that well. We weren't like best buddies, but I, I, you know, we, we knew some And of he didn't, people. he didn't divorce his wife though. He just sent them there. Yeah. He just sent them there to prepare for the, uh, collapse of our government. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've noticed something. I've been hearing people like investing in gold and silver. Yeah. In case the currency um, collapses. collapses, which I think is a little bit strange to me. I, I don't do understand too. it. I don't understand it. Um, I, I, I just don't understand it. Because if our currency completely collapses, we're going to have a lot of other stuff to worry about too. Yes, and will. the thing I don't get about these doomsday preppers yeah. is... You can only store so many guns. And how are you going to, if you, and these people love to advertise that they, they've got all these supplies, right? So yeah. if society really does fall, everybody's going to know where you're at. I know. I mean, they're going to find you. Yeah. They're going to find you because they're, they have ways of doing that. Well, it's not only they have ways of doing that, but I, I notice all these people I talk to, they all love to talk about how they're preparing for the apocalypse. And it just makes me think, Okay, I know to go to this person's house if something, you know, goes haywire. Like, they never just keep it to themselves. Yeah, I just, I mean, you know, we're each, and and not to be morbid here, but each of us is going to go sometime. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it's a natural disaster, whether or not somebody kills you, whether or not you die in your sleep, whatever it is. You can be as prepared as you can be, but... You're not going to take all that stuff with you. Do you think, babes, mm-hmm. that the doomsday people, it's it's a weird way of not wanting to accept death then is what I think I Absolutely, hear yes. Mm. I think it's. I think that they're preparing for something that they may never see. Yeah, or if they do see it, it's not going to be like they think it is. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. Because mm-hmm. I could see the government collapsing. Uh, do I think it's going to happen tomorrow? No. Do I think that I could have, that I could do anything about it? Not really. Um, you just gotta deal with it. Yeah, just you like just gotta else. live and see what happens. Just like anything else, just make sure you have all the, your, your essentials. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you're not, um, you're not without something that you actually need. I don't know. It's like, I just, I can't live my life worrying about that stuff. I mean, you gotta have some preparedness, but, you shouldn't like make it like it's your, it's like your entire life. I agree. And I think that, um, people that are, you know, even people that are afraid of things, you know, people, and I know people in my life that are just definitely afraid of things mm-hmm. to happen before it even happens. And I'm like, I can't live like that. I can't live being 
you know, live like I'm afraid every single day. No. It just, I cannot, I can't even, I don't even understand how people are so, some people are just completely, um, they're so riddled with, with anxiety. They're just anxious all the time. They just don't know how to function. How did they get anything done? Yes. How? How do they do that? And I know people in my life that will not be mentioned that are just definitely afraid of things before it even happens. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know. And the funny thing is, is when they were, when they were much younger, they were fearless. That's strange. The, the, so it's probably brought on by something traumatic. I would imagine it must have been, it must have been seriously traumatic that they just completely flipped. Do you want to call this person right now and we can talk to them? No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, uh, Alana's doing a podcast and we're just wondering. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, I don't need to, I don't need to get them in a conversation. It sounds like you're afraid of that, babes. <sighs> like, give me a kiss. No. Yeah, come on. I love you, babes. I can't love you. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that you love me there, Jay. Well, good. Right. Is there anything you wanted to discuss before we get to the movies? No. No. All I have to say is um, if you are going to be prepared, just um, prepare wisely, but don't overdo it. Yeah. Don't over, uh, don't, don't act as if it's like doomsday tomorrow. Cause we, you know, it could be, but it's also like, let's try to have some fun now, you know? Yes. Yes. Right. That's right. Go out there, get laid, you know, come on, bud. That's enough. That's okay. enough. Okay. Don't, don't encourage bad behavior. I'm not. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. Bad behavior. Oh, I don't know about that. Baby. Anyway, I love it. All right, never. Okay, all right, all right. Let's move. Let's talk about the movies. Thank you. It's a little bit early, but we can make this one a short one so you can kick me out and you know, <laughs> enjoy the cool and you know while I'm dying from heat stroke. And... <laughs> no, you're not gonna die from heat stroke. Oh. You might die from something else, but oh. yes. not heat stroke. Oh. J-Lo. Yes. We saw two movies last night. Yes. Uh, both of which I had seen before, but I hadn't watched To Sir With Love, the first film on this list, since probably 96. Right. But my mom liked it. Yeah, and it was... Um, I, I didn't I, really remember that well. I thought it was pretty good. Give me the recap. I will just give you the basic premise and then you can add to it. Okay. Um Mark Thackeray is played by Sidney Poitier. Sid Port. Yes. Port. As the kids call him. Who? That's what the kids call him on Twitter. Sid Port. Oh, jeez. No, actually, I don't know if that's true. He has a French last name. Anyway. um, So Sidney Poitier gets this job as a high school teacher at an English school. And he came from, he, he, he actually said that he was from a British, a British Guyana or something. Something like that. I'm not that. sure where that is. Um, but I he lived South in the Africa, States. Africa, right? 
Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. CIA running like that Jones and Ning. Uh, okay, okay. So won't okay, talk okay. about that Jones and guy. Bubs. You know that song, right? Mm. From Spearhead. Okay, I don't know, Bubs. Whatever. <laughs> you really hate it when I sing lyrics on this. It's annoying. Okay. It's distracting. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop, stop. All right, all right, all right. All right, keep going, babe. Stop, it's distracting. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Anyway, so he said that he was from British Guyana, but he also lived in the States before. Um, and I think he was doing something completely different before he taught. And this was his, his, um, first, um, job as an actual teacher. If I'm correct, he was some type of an engineer and he's working for, he's looking for further work in that field. And in the meantime, he's decided to become a teacher. Yes. yes. And, uh, you know, people, you know, the, the principal is saying that all oh, these, you know, it's going to get worse. These kids are hoodlums. Um, the one teacher, Jillian is a, a new teacher as well. And she's afraid of them because that's her first job as a teacher. So, um, he starts teaching them. They're kind of mouthy. They come from poor homes. Um, a lot of them are very angry at their parents. Da, 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 da. Ah! All right. Sorry. Go ahead. This is on a PSA. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Keep going. And, um, <laughs> I don't know why you put that in there, but because uh, I need to kiss, I think that's why. What? Mm. Mm. All right, go ahead. Whatever. Um. Anyway, so um, he <clears throat> there's some other things that go on that are part of the movie, but I don't want to um get into too much detail. But he decides one day that he has an idea about how to straighten these kids out. And he decides that he is going to treat them like adults. The, um, the women are going to be referred to as miss. And every, and, and he's going to call the men by their last names, which I never understood. I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know why he didn't just call them Mr. So and so. Um, <clears throat> and that everybody would refer, he wanted everyone to refer to him as Sir or Mr. Zachary. Yes. Go on, please. At first, these kids are <laughs> apprehensive because, you know, they didn't really have a lot of discipline in their lives. No, they didn't. But over time, <laughs> they begin to get their lives a little bit more together. They dress nicer. Uh, they behave in a way that, you know, it's it's not like they, they're suddenly the best kids ever. But and they're cleaner, too. Yeah, their behavior changes. Yeah. And at one point, Thackeray even takes them out to the museum. Mm -hmm. And we don't see this on screen. It's shown kind of through pictures, which I thought was actually an interesting way of doing it. <coughs> God bless you there, J-Lo. Oh, stop. Okay. <laughs> and I just cracked myself up. <laughs> but it's implied that they behaved at the museum and had a good time. So things are going well for uh, Mr. Thackeray until one day there's a gym class. Yes. Explain that, please. Okay. His students are working with the gym teacher. Mr. Bell. Mr. Bell. And Thackeray isn't even in the room. 
Yeah. One of the kids has to jump something and can't make the jump and lands on the gym teacher who gets pissed off. I think it's a, like a hurdle or something. Okay. Whatever so, it is. Something like that. The kid's a little bit hurt, but one of the other students is upset because Mr. Bell has a history of picking on this particular kid. Yes. And he was he, he yells at the teacher and he threatens him. Thackeray comes in to stop this. They all go back to Thackeray's room and he approaches the kid who was defending the other student and says, you owe Mr. Bell an apology. And the kid kind of loses his shit to be kind. Um, and would you like to pick it up from here? Gina? Whoa. I think that was Potter, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh, so he, but I didn't steal. I, is that right? Is that correct? He, he, does he apologize to the guy? I can't remember. I don't think he did. He didn't apologize. I could to be him. wrong about that. I think he said he didn't apologize to him. Um, because he's like, well, well, don't, you know, he has a history of picking on this one kid and I had to do something about it. Yeah. That's what I said. Yes. So Mr. Bell is now uh, not teaching. We don't see him after that, I think. I don't think so. And uh, uh, and then uh, Mr. Thackeray ends up teaching the uh, gym class for a little bit. The, to his students, or I'm assuming in his, in his version of a yes. homeroom. Yes, in his version. Yeah, of, uh, and he did other things. Like he did a cooking class, which I wish they would have shown more of. I know. Movie. But I could have watched a whole movie of a cooking class. He was, give it at least an eight if it's done well. Because so. he was talking about, have you ever, uh, you know, um, uh, eating well but for less? Yes. It's like, have you ever had a salad with almonds and and grapes and pineapple, pineapple and lettuce? And I'm like, <clears throat> that sounds really good, actually. I don't know about pineapple and lettuce. Maybe but. not pineapple, but. Yeah. He did say that in the movie, but I don't know if I'd want that. Yeah. In any event, he teaches this gym class, and the kid who <clears throat> Potter we're going to go with, Kid Potter, says to him, I know uh, Harry and Ron Weasley are No, 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 no. It's not Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> I thought his last name was Potter. Was his name James Potter. No, yeah. it's not James Potter. And he's like, I know that uh, Snape no. isn't here to pick. Oh him. no, they called him Potts. Okay, but ifs. Potts says to uh, Mister Thackeray, Mister H. Uh, th. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Ah, he's yeah. like, I want to do some boxing right now with you. Yes. And <laughs> Mister Thackeray eventually agrees. <clears throat> the kid's hitting them, mm -hmm. and then uh, Thackeray gets in one good shot, and the kid. And goes it's like, down. oh, are you? I was, it's like, uh, did you? Did I hit you? He's like, yes, you did. Yes. Like, well, how many times did you hit me? Just once. Yep. That's that's after the the confrontation. Yeah. <laughs> and Thackeray says, you know, if you want, I'll put in a good word and maybe have you come back next year and teach some of these younger kids how to box. How to box. How to, how to um, you know. How to, how to box, yes. Like, oh, okay. We're, by this point, we're getting near the end of the movie. We should also say that there's this pretty attractive blonde-haired girl who has a thing for uh, Mr. Thackeray. Her name is Pamela Dare. There's two, there's two women that do. Pamela Dare, who's the young student in his class, and Jillian, the new teacher. Oh, yeah. We already know she wants someone. Yes. Jillian does. Yes. Whether or not they hooked up, I can't tell you. So let me give you the backstory on Pamela Dare. Pamela Dare, um, her mother. Oh no! Wait, wait, wait. I guess I should. Should I mention the the guy's mother who dies? Oh, if you want to, go ahead. 
Um, I forgot whose mother dies. And, um, it is, it is, um, implied that this boy's mother is a black person, which I thought was very, very interesting. I think the student is black as well. Yes. And they basically said, well, we can't associate with them because they're black. We can't go over to their we house. We can't go over to their house. And Pamela offers to buy the flowers for the funeral. And take it over. And take it over there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, don't you, aren't you worried about, you know, being subjected to gossip? She's like, no, no, no. I'm going to do that. I've known this kid. I've known this kid since for, kindergarten. Was, yeah. yeah. I, I'll be happy to do it. Yeah. Pamela is very attracted to Sir Thackeray. That's right. And. And he says, if you want an A++. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't make it into an X-rated All right, go ahead. analysis. I might have it a little bit wrong. I keep going. It's, it's very wrong. Oh, what happened? Yeah. Okay. Um, Mrs. Dare, her uh, mother, explains to Mr. Thackeray, I'm guessing that they're, they're at their home. They're at the school. The she school. comes to see him. Yeah, she's like, you know, my I'm really worried about my daughter. She doesn't tell me where she is at night because she comes home like at 11 o'clock and I don't know what's going on, but she'll listen to you because she talks about you all the time. She'll listen to you. She won't listen to me. She won't talk to me. I don't know what's going on. Like, what about her father? It's like, well, we're, we've been divorced for a while. And so he talks to Pamela and says, you know, I really think you should talk to your mom. And she's like, Give her a second chance. Give her a second chance. And she's like, why should I give her a second chance? I found, I caught her with one of her friends. I'm guessing they were males. Uh, that's my assumption. Yeah. I caught her with one of her friends in my home and you're asking me to give her a second chance. And you know, where, where have you been at night? It's like, oh, I was only at this, this restaurant. It's very close. And, and he's like, I really think you should talk to your mother. And I, I think it's a shame that you're not going to give her a second chance. And she got upset. Leaves the room. Leaves the room. And says that she's not going to buy the flowers. Yeah. So the one kid doesn't know that his uh, school companions uh, had some sort of support for him. Right. So he gets punished because of her mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. In any event, time keeps on slipping away yeah. and into the future. future. And they're now getting ready to graduate. She comes up to Sidney Portier and says, will you dance with me tonight? And would you please call me Pamela? Will you please call me Pamela? I thought that was kind of weird. Pamela? Pamela. He he says, I know my name is Pamela, but will you please call me Pamela? (laughs) Okay. Isn't that what she said? No. Oh. No, she just said, Pamela, can you please call me Pamela? Okay, I thought it was Pamela. Maybe I heard it wrong. Oh, my goodness. We fast forward. We're at the end of the year party. Students are celebrating. Sidney Poitier comes in the room, dances with Pamela. Thank you. They have... Oh, we press recorder. Shall we? Oh. Ah. They have a nice, you know, innocent dance. Everybody's eating the food that uh, 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 Thackeray taught them to make. Yes. 
And we should also say by now that Thackeray has gotten a job for next year as an engineer. Yep. Right? Yep. So he's super excited about that. Then they say, we have a surprise. Lulu is here and she wants to sing you a verse from her song, which by the way, you can buy on the soundtrack <laughs> for this movie. I thought you said that Lulu, that the, that was one of the kids who played. That was saying? Lulu who played uh, one of the kids, wasn't it? I don't know. I think that was the case. Yeah, she might have been. I mean, she was super young, so I don't know yeah, who it was. I don't even know if she's still alive. I think she is. It's, she's only known for this, though, right? Um, I'm, th- I'm sure she's known. I think she might have been. They might have played some songs from Lulu in the movie, but I couldn't tell. No, but I mean, outside of To Sir With Love, nobody really knows who Lulu is. I'm, I'm sure they do, but that was probably her biggest hit. Okay. She comes on, sings a verse for the song, and while she's holding up the record of the soundtrack to the movie, which I thought was interesting cross-promotion. Yeah. That was a joke. I know. Okay. You didn't laugh. Because you said that to me yesterday. Oh, okay. Anyways. <laughs> they give him a present, and he says, uh, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I'm going to go put this away. He leaves, and his president is like this cup. Right, he's looking at it, yeah. And some younger hooligans come over, push over the cup. They're like a younger couple, and the guy says to Thackeray, "I'm going to cause trouble for you next year, mate," or something like that. Walks away. Was it? Was that after he he was off a climp? Yeah, we just I just said that, babes. Yes, yes. Thackeray stands up, takes out the letter of him being approved for being an engineer, and tears it up, and that's the end of the movie. It's kind of a fun way to end it. Yes. Okay. What would you give this movie? Um, I personally would give it an eight. I'd give it a strong seven. Okay. I I, I liked it. I wish that the kids were a little bit. Uh... Actually, I think I may have. I'm. I think I'm going to change it. I think I'm going to give it um. Uh. Maybe a seven and a half. Okay. I wish the kids were a little bit more rebellious, mm-hmm. and I also wish that they would spend some more time on their transformation. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think they they seem too proper. Yes, I mean, I always thought of English people as somewhat proper, um, proper like I mean, they seem very polite. Yeah, that's not always the case. That's though. not always the case, but I mean. I don't know. Some of them, some of them are, are ruder than others, but the, I kind of thought the old ladies were a little bit strange in the beginning of the movie. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're right, but they seemed a little bit proper. And it would have been interesting to know more of the background of Sidney Poitier. So we learned from this movie that he used to be kind of a hooligan like them, but yes, then he works yeah. to advance himself in life. And I would have, I know that maybe he wouldn't have gone into every deal, detail with the kids, but maybe it would have been interesting if he had told that one teacher, the one who had the hots for him, a little bit more about his past. Yeah, I would have liked to have known what could have gone on with him and the teacher. Yeah. Instead of him and Pamela Dare, because, I mean, Pamela was, I'm guessing she was close to being 18. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a thing today, 
but Sidney Poitier was black, and both of the women who were attracted to him were white. Uh-huh. And... I thought that was interesting, yes. Well, this was before we even had uh, uh, the first interracial kiss on television, right? Uh-huh. That didn't come until like a year and a half later. Uh-huh. So it's it's an interesting thing, and I wonder how much of that played into the filmmakers not showing Sidney Poitier getting into a relationship with his fellow teacher. I don't know. It's possible. But what do you think? I know you don't know. It maybe it did have some. Um, maybe it did have an effect on. The movie maker not having him in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible because that's what was going on during that time. Yeah, so I don't know. What does Sidney Poitier in this movie, Thackeray, teach us about finding what you're meant to do on the way of trying to do what you think you're supposed to do? Oh, you mean like uh, he thought that he was supposed to be an engineer? Exactly. Hmm. Well, I I think it's interesting because people, you know, if you hear uh, some celebrities say, well, this is what I used to do before I did this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I've heard of uh, celebrity stories where I used to work at a Dairy Queen before I became a singer. It's kind of interesting. Like they, they thought they wanted to do that, but they ended up doing that. They ended up doing something else. Yes. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me. Well, what can we learn about life purpose? Um, that you may think that you have a purpose in this, in a certain occupation, but it turns out that you, it could turn out that you find your real purpose in a totally different occupation. It could go either way. A way I think about it is you think your destiny is supposed to be doing something in life, Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, you're stalled from completing that task. Mm -hmm. And in your way to doing that thing, you discover your true meaning, Mm -hmm. but you needed the original goal to get you to the thing that you're meant to do. Right. Because if Thackeray, would have decided early on that I'm going to become a teacher. For all we know, he may have ended up at a prim and proper school and maybe he would have been okay at his job, but he wouldn't have been challenged in the same way that these kids at this school challenged him. Yes. To become a better person and a better educator. Right. Right. Yes. What does this film teach us? about the way we perceive other cultures. What do you mean by that? Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, early on in the movie, one of the kids is talking to Thackeray, and he says, hey, I was watching this show uh, about these Africans on TV last night, and they were dancing around without hardly anything. Oh, that's right. That's right. And Thackeray had a good response, he, and I'm going to misquote it because, you know, I'm the king of that. But he basically tells the kid, well, there's 
uh, a lot of things that may be uh, appropriate for other cultures, depending on the climate mm-hmm. and the way that the culture develops. There's that. But then there's also, this movie was released in the era of the civil rights movement, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also a film that's based in England. Yes. And England ended slavery roughly 50 years before it ended in the U.S., right? Uh. Maybe not exactly, but a rough estimate, uh-huh. right? We know here about this, you know, I, I'm not saying we understand, but we have a broad sense of of the civil rights movement here in the U.S. with Malcolm yes. X and Martin yes. Luther King and yes. integration. Yeah. I had always assumed that integration happened in England a, a lot quicker than it happened here. And to some extent, yeah, yeah. I still believe that that's the case. Uh-huh. But we still have these... um Pockets of racism that's maybe more under the surface over there because they couldn't, as white students, go and help or, or lend support to their, their fellow black student, right? Their yes. friends. Uh-huh. Because he was black and that would have been seen as, as wrong. Right, right. Right. So it, those are the ways that I think this movie plays with culture. Interesting. Yeah. And our misperceptions. Because he was talking about like, um, what is acceptable as, as far as, um, and then when we're talking about dress, mm-hmm. um, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. If you're, if you're in a warmer climate, you're going to want to dress less. Um, here's an example of that. I know it's kind of a, a little bit off topic, Go ahead. but I was talking to somebody on a plane and she was saying that her and her, her, um, her boyfriend were in Costa Rica. And in Costa Rica, a lot of people want to walk without shoes because it's so hot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was, it was, um, you could wear sandals, but a lot of people like to just put their feet in the grass or whatever it is because it's so hot. Um, that would probably be the same thing as like if you were in the Caribbean because it's warm, you know. Yeah, that hot. wasn't where I was going. My, but, go ahead. No, no, I, I understand what you're talking about. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm trying to simplify it, I suppose. Okay. And maybe I'm not doing a very good job, but, um, I, I, I understand what you're talking about when he was explaining the, um, um, the social norms as far as dress and how what they thought was inappropriate. Yeah. Is not inappropriate to them. It's appropriate. Yeah. So look a little bit deeper. Yes. At different cultures and yes. different societies. Yes. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess we could call London another culture. It is. And in a way we could say it's, it's even more of another culture because we're watching it through two different lenses, mm-hmm. through the lens of 1967 and through the lens of filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And Sidney Poitier refers to the Beatles. Yes. Which is interesting to me because he talks about how the Beatles basically changed music, right? Yes. And if you know about 1967, this was when they were in the start of their psychedelic phase. Mm. Which I mean, I mean, in, in some sense, you could say, well, they had been in it before, but this is when it was really. I mean, coming. when the music was <clears throat> is that when they went to India. 
<laughs> this was around that time, but this was also when they were doing Sgt. Peppers and experimenting yeah. more with LSD, at least openly. Mm-hmm. And so the, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, and I don't know the the date this movie was released <laughs> versus the date that Sgt. Peppers came out. Yes. But to me, it's fascinating to see how all the stuff sort of mixes together. And Sidney Poitier is just this person who's acknowledging this stuff. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And he also talked about their fashions too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I commented and said, wow, this is when they were still, you know, together. Yes. The Beatles. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because even to this day, there are ministers who are, are religious people. And I know that Sidney Poitier isn't a religious person, mm-hmm. uh, unless there's some weird cult that I don't know of. <laughs> but there's religious people today who don't like the Beatles music because of their connection to psychedelics. Oh. And so it's interesting to see uh, an authority figure in that time acknowledge them oh. in a positive light. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um... Interesting observation. I didn't know that there there were religious people that didn't like the Beatles. Well, there were definitely a lot more back then, but I believe that there's some people today who still question them. Well, and then there's some people. Um, well, and then you, and you think about we've talked about this the thing with Elvis, right? How there was a religion that has started because yes. of Elvis. The death That's of what Elvis. it feels like. <laughs> but Elvis was hated by a lot of Christians and, and I'm sorry, just conservative people and, and some liberals as well because of the way he danced. People said that it was his gyrations were a sign of the devil, but the Beatles was kind of different because there's, there's a connection of drug use. There's their, uh, kind of like the open love thing that comes along with that, right? Because they were with different women yes, and you know, John Lennon used to have the bed ins Oh, wow. But there was yeah. also, yeah. I believe it was 65 or 66 where John Lennon made that statement where he said the, the Beatles, Beatles were popular than Jesus. More popular, more popular than, than Jesus. Jesus. And there's a lot of backlash about that. Yeah, because he, his, and his point was, I think, was if you go to a Beatles concert, you'll see more people than you'll see, or more young people than you'll find in church on a Sunday. Well, I still think it was a stupid thing to say. It was, it was, listen, it was definitely a stupid thing to say. And I would even go so far as to say it's not true, but it was an interesting observation. And sometimes you need intelligent people to say stupid things to see, to see where the line is. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was very intelligent in that moment. No, but you need, I mean, even, even my own, uh, rock history teacher, um, commented and said you know that that's a that was a really stupid thing to say but and it, I, I mean i don't even know where he stands on that but even he commented that he thought it was really stupid and i don't know. i agree it was very stupid but it also got a little bit misinterpreted and you need cultural influencers to say stupid things to kind of push the line yeah, but how, so you how, know where the line yeah, is yeah but at. wait a minute though i just have a question that we can drop it go ahead why how do you know that that was misinterpreted? Because it sounded to me, and I didn't actually hear him say it, but no. I read about it, and it sounded to me like it's exactly what he meant. I So here's my interpretation, which could also be a massive uh, revisionist history, right? But the way 
I interpret what John Lennon said is we're more popular than Jesus. And yet we, you know, we're not respected for that. And, and, and instead, I think what people interpreted that is, is the Beatles are better than Jesus. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I don't think that's the point that he was trying to convey. Now I could be wrong, but. I don't think he was trying to say that the Beatles are better than Jesus I, or God or anything. I think like that. he tried to explain it away, but a lot of people just did not yeah. um yeah. receive it well. Yeah. Because of the way that it was put and I don't know that he could have explained it away to be honest. But I think it's good that he said something like that. I like it when intelligent cultural figures push the line a little bit, even if it's in a way that I don't necessarily appreciate. Or, or, or necessarily agree with because I like it when people push buttons and I, I think that society would get too stale if we never had people do saying things like that. You are correct. But As at, at the same, but what I don't like is when people push buttons and then they apologize for it. But well, there's a couple of different ways of looking at this, right? You could say, well, John Lennon, uh, came out and apologized for the Jesus comment because he knew it was going to hurt record sales, which I'm uh, keep it real. I'm sure that has a lot of truth in it, but you could also say yes. And maybe he also realized that what he said wasn't interpreted right, or he could, or he could have said it better. And maybe he hurt some people in his own life that he didn't mean to hurt from that comment. And so that's why he's apologizing because he felt like he, he was a little bit wrong. But don't you think even today, Mm -hmm. right? Don't you think even today there's a lot of apologizing going on from people that have said statements and they actually meant it, but then they go back on it. Whether or not you agree with the statement or not. Yeah. Don't you think there's been a lot more apologizing and not owning, owning that statement? I would agree with you that people will apologize at the drop of a hat now. Yes, they will. And I don't like that. Having said that, and, and this is where things get a little bit tricky because you, you, it's, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not. Mm-hmm. But if somebody realizes that they're wrong and actually agrees with the consensus, like I did a dumb thing. It's, they're not just doing it for their career, but they actually realize what I said was wrong then isn't it good if they apologize? It is good, but I feel like today, if somebody makes a bold statement that would not, um, would strike a nerve with people. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter what side they're on, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, well, if you really thought that, if you really thought that, why would you say it publicly and then go back and backtrack and apologize for what you said? Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. You know what my, I mean? my counter argument would be maybe you really thought that in the moment and you never expressed it publicly. And once you did, somebody came to you with a good counter argument. Or what if it wasn't even anything bad and you're forced, you, you, you know, people are forcing you to apologize mm-hmm. or, I mean, it's like, well, don't apologize just because people want you to apologize. Just say how you feel. And leave it at that. And if they don't like it, that's just their, their, um, they have to deal with it. I hear you. You know I would, what I mean? It's, it's, it kind of goes back and forth. I would say that the world is complicated. Nobody's perfect. And this is an opportunity to look at ourselves. I, I don't know, babes. I don't mm. know. Yes. 
Okay. Yes, but back to to sew with love. Okay. Okay. Um, would you recommend this movie to anybody? Oh yes, I would. I think that there should have been a little bit more depth um, with the students. Yes. Because yes, they came from poor homes, but we don't even know anything about their parents except for Pamela Dares. Her mom likes to get it all. Or something like that. But whose mom doesn't like to do that? Oh, That's, how exist, That's how you exist, babes. That's how you exist, babes. Yes, I know. Yes. But why do you have to turn it into an actuated thing? I didn't turn it into an actuated thing. Whatever. Your mom did not have in vitro fertilization, as far as I know. No, she did not. Mm-hmm. So that lady has some, has we're, not talking about, okay. we're not talking about reproduction. <laughs> Anyways, babes. You, you like to backtrack quite a bit. <laughs> or not, no, sidetrack. Anyway. Yeah. Yes, I would. I think there would have been, it would have been interesting to do more backgrounds on the teachers like Weston. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, Weston was, it seemed like he was their teacher at one time and didn't really care much about the students. Yeah. And was kind of into himself. I would have liked to have known a background on him and Jillian. I forgot what her last name was and uh, Mark Thackeray. But also the students. What's your elevator pitch? If if I'm a member of the JLo family <laughs> and you call me up and tell me about this movie to share with love, how do you sell it to me? I would say um, if you're planning on teaching abroad, this is something you might expect. Yes. It isn't a realistic. It may not be too realistic, but it's something. Well, I, that's a good elevator pitch because, in a way, I teach you, so I am teaching abroad. But I'm, oh <laughs> no! Sorry, that was a dumb joke, babe. Yes, it was a dumb joke. All right, so give me a kiss. <laughs> give me a kiss. <laughs> I love you, babes. Abroad, oh, I'm teaching abroad. Oh. So maybe I should watch the movie again by myself and learn some tips. Right. What do you think? Without a broad, but I'm bumped. But I'm bumped. <laughs> Locally and not abroad. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just wrong, Bubs. Thank you, babes. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about this movie? No, I enjoyed it. I did. There, there's one thing, uh, actually, two things. I know that they uh, made a sequel to this movie in the 1990s, which mm-hmm. I have not seen. Yeah. It was a made-for-TV movie, but it did have Sidney Poitier. Oh, wow. It's possible I'll check that out at some point. Okay. And I don't know who directed this movie. I'm going to Google it. Maybe I'll watch some more f- films from this director. Ah. Huh. You know. Yeah, I forgot who it, who it was. <laughs> I think you told me who it was, but... I forgot. Yeah. Yes. This film came out the same year that Guess Who's Coming to Dinner came out. It's a good movie. Directed by Stanley Kramer. It's a great movie. And also In the Heat of the Night. So three Sidney Poitier movies that all kind of touch on race. Mm. Um, I mean, uh, In the Heat of the Night and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner uh, touch upon it more. Mm-hmm. But this film, you know, it, it's a light touch, but it, it's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in my U.S. history class, and I really enjoyed it. Yes. It was quite serious. Well, good. It was originally released as a comedy, I think. Really? Yeah, because the joke was uh, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy are these liberal parents Mm -hmm. who, you know, 
are, are cool with everything, but then they have to face their own prejudices when they find out that their daughter is a, a, engaged to a black man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Uh, I'm actually working on a sequel to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Or I guess a remake, because I'm going to be the star of it. But instead of <laughs> Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, it's going to have the last word out of the title. So it's going to be called Guess Who's Coming. <laughs> and it's more of a reimagination. <laughs> okay. Yes. Or is it Guess Who's Coming to Supper? No, no, no. Thanks. Come on. Leave the jokes to me, babes. Oh. <laughs> well, the broad one didn't really fly. That was pretty funny. Come on. Really? Because yeah, I'm also, you said you'd recommend it to people who are teaching abroad, and sometimes I teach you stuff, so I'm teaching abroad. Ugh. I love you, babes. Mm. How you doing? Thank you. I need another kiss. No. no I do. No, bad no. jokes. I don't need another kiss. <laughs> okay. Babes. Yes. After watching Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. We didn't know uh, I mean, uh, I mean about, I mean about, uh, uh, 27 years after I watched Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And five minutes after watching To Serve With Love. <laughs> when did that, wait, 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 when did Guess Who's Coming to Dinner come out? They, they, To Serve With Love and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner came out in the same year, 1967. Yeah. That is so funny. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> 27 years after finishing Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, <laughs> I showed you a movie that I, one of my favorite Robin Williams movies that I don't think enough people talk about called World's Greatest Dad. Yes, you give a wee cap, please. All right. It starts out with Robin Williams, who plays Lance, explaining that he's tried to publish articles, short stories, and five books but nothing he's ever submitted has gotten accepted by a publisher. So he's this frustrated uh, English lit teacher. Mm-hmm. He has a teenage son who's around the the age of 15 named Kyle. Mm-hmm. And Kyle is a little bit hard to love. Uh, yes, not only is he a pervert, but he's rude. And um, he's into some stuff that his friends are not into. Yes. He's not Alana's favorite character, but see that. No, I thought he was a douchebag. Oh, we're gonna get to that, babes. Uh, so he's a joke and a half. Lance is getting ready to go to work in the morning, and Kyle is a student there. So he walks into the bedroom where Kyle's at and sees him hanging because Kyle's trying to do autoerotic asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Yeah, and and Kyle's just like, Dad, wait for me. I'll be right out. (laughs) You're weird for coming in here. (laughs) Which I thought was great. They're going to the school. Kyle is upset because his dad is listening to Bruce Hornsby, and Kyle's not a music person at all. It's like, no, I hate music. Insert gay slurs here that I'm not going to repeat. No, it's just really rude. That's not the type and of also, um And also awful things that he said to girls. Yes. <clears throat> so they get to the school. Everybody's going along their way. And Lance is dating this girl named... Um, Miss Claire Reed, who's a teacher. Yes. Former teacher. Claire is also has has the hots for another English lit teacher named Mike. Named Mike, who is a little bit more debonair, kind of cool. The kids like his classes more. Mm-hmm. We know this because the poetry class that Lance teaches is of danger of being dropped from the cu- curriculum mm-hmm. because people like Mike's classes more. 
Okay. Mike just got an article or short story public. It was a short story that was published in the New Yorker, which is very prestigious and everybody loves it. And, you know, it's great. And Lance is a little bit uh, threatened by this, you know, not, not too happy. Mm-hmm. Claire starts spending more time with Lance and Lance goes to do his thing. Kyle is in the hallway talking about German pornography with his friend, Andrew. And Andrew's like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> That's a little bit too ex- extreme for me. It's just sick. Yeah. Yes. And Kyle's, again, is a little bit abrasive. He makes a comment about a young lady and gets into a fight. Mm-hmm. And didn't you say that he was on the ground or something? Yeah, he goes to the ground and tries to kick the guy. And then, and then, um, what were you laughing at that? I, I was just laughing because when the, when, um, I think it's Mike comes to break it up. Yeah. Kyle starts yelling at the other kid. Yeah. Yeah. You want some more of this? Yeah. At one point during this movie, you're like, that's it. I can't take any more of Kyle. And I'm like, God, yeah. keep watching. I was like, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go to the principal's office and we find out that Kyle has had a lot of problems and go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, he said he tells his dad, "Look, I think that he needs to be in a special needs school." That's what the uh, principal says. Yes. Robin Williams saves Kyle this time, but who knows how much more longer this can go on? But but the principal agrees. Okay, okay, I'm going to give him another chance. That's what I just said. Yes. Yes. We see a glimpse into Lance's poetry classroom. A student <laughs> plagiarizes <laughs> David Bowie. <laughs> And Robin Williams looks at him and he's like, that was great when David Bowie did it. And the student looks at him and is like, I didn't think you'd get that reference. It's like, and he goes, um, I'm white. Yes. Because <laughs> the student is black. Yeah. And he's like, um, I'm white. I thought that was great. <laughs> and then another uh, student comes up and reads this poem. It was either about abortion or a miscarriage. I think it was a miscarriage. Would it, it, might, it either might have been a miscarriage or an abortion. And he's like, I, 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 would, it, um, would it have been a boy? Would it girl? have been a girl? And he's just like, go ahead, say the line. And he goes, um, thank you. That was very personal. And if you ever need any, if you ever need anything, I'm always here. And she's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Yes. She, I think she may have had, I think she may, have, it's possible she may have had a miscarriage. That's possible. Yeah. Anyways, uh, moving in along, uh, along a little bit. <laughs> Uh, Kyle's grounded, but that quickly goes out the window because Andrew's over and Kyle gives his dad shit in front of his buddy. So Andrew is allowed to stay. Lance goes out and starts talking to his neighbor who is like 50 something years old, a little bit overweight, but Kyle has been older than that. No, I'd say mid fifties. She, she's an old lady and Kyle is, uh, into looking at her when she's a little bit weird. Yes. Lance offers her a hit from the joint that he's, he's smoking. She says, no, but maybe sometime I'll have some pop brownies if you ever make some. And they, they, they're talking a little bit about zombie movies. The scene ends. Mm-hmm. Time goes by. Kyle and Lance go out to the mall. <laughs> Lance buys him a new computer monitor. Yeah. Sees Claire with Mike, calls her and she says, okay, let's actually get to get a, together for dinner tonight and bring your uh, boy Kyle. The dinner is very awkward. I won't go into every detail. Right, exactly. Uh, Robin Williams drops Kyle off at home. Kyle's like, yo, you're going to hit that tonight, right? And, Kyle, and Robin Williams is like, no. 
They go back to her, her place. He hits that. Comes home. And, it's implied that, yeah. Yeah, he hits it. Just like his boy wanted. Oh, jeez. Comes home and discovers Kyle's dead body because he died while masturbating. Well, trying to hey, wait, 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 wait. Don't get to that yet. Does, where did you want me to get to before then? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about that. Af- I thought you were going to talk about that at the end of the movie. No, it's like a key plot in the movie, babes. Okay. Yeah. And Robin Williams is so upset. There's there's a there's a montage of him putting the body down, crying, all this stuff, and he decides that Kyle didn't re- leave a suicide note, so he writes one <laughs> and puts it in Kyle's front pocket of his shirt. Calls the coroners. They come. Everybody's you know giving him sympathy. Some time goes by. Kids are a little bit sad, and somehow. Kyle's suicide letter gets leaked on the internet. It's very weird. And becomes very popular with the kids. Mm-hmm. So people who hated him start wearing these shirts with Kyle's picture on them or these little pendants with his picture on them. Well. At one point, this girl uh, who is in Robin Williams' uh, literature class goes up to the car and says, can I have something of Kyle's? That's Heather. She's kind of a weird one. That's just mine. So Yeah. Robin Williams gives her the Bruce, Bruce Hornsby Horns CD, CD that that Kyle hated when they were driving this. Yes, trip. yes. His class now starts to fill up, right? He goes to class one day, and everybody is asking questions about Kyle, and you know what was he into? Did well, he this band? Um, did he like music? And so Robin Williams liked Bruce Hornsby and also like Ozzy. So he's like, and Kyle thought all music was gay. So he says uh, he liked us from Bruce Hornsby and, and a little bit of Ozzy and a little bit of Ozzy. And then uh, the student who plagiarized David Bowie said, "Did the boy know Jesus?" And he, he says. Um, well, mm. Kyle was an agnostic, but I like to believe that he had his own form of spirituality. <laughs> so, this letter is super popular. Andrew comes to Lance and says, "You know, it's weird. Uh, Kyle seems to, didn't really seem that smart in real life." And yes. he says, Lance tells him, "Well, you know, um, Andrew, Kyle was a very complicated kid, yeah. and." I believe that he was trying to hide his intelligence from you. So it mm-hmm. works for the time being. Right. He goes over to his neighbor's house. It turns out that she's a hoarder. They eat pop brownies and watch some movies and make further plans to get together in the future. Nothing happened because he's still chasing after um, Claire. Claire, yep. He's starting to get more into him. And then one weekend, Robin Williams sits down. And writes a fake journal for Kyle. <laughs> Gives it to the grief counselor and says, hey, if this could ever help any other kid, <laughs> maybe pass it along, right? Mm-hmm. So the grief counselor takes a look at it. They do a self-publishing book, right? And they print out maybe, I don't know, a couple thousand copies and sell it to the kids who are all like buying it and reading it and really getting a kick out of everything. At one point, Andrew comes over to Lance's house and says, um, you know, there's nothing in this book about felching or about anal sex or any of the stuff that Kyle was really into yeah. talking about. And Robin Williams just is like, I keep telling you, Kyle's a complicated person. Right. Now, I got to get ready because I'm going on TV tomorrow. And Andrew just keeps pushing the point. The Dr. Dana show. Yeah. yeah. 
Robin Williams eventually yells at him and says, Andrew, no wonder your mom drinks. Pisses off Andrew. He goes to the door and he says, you can be on TV all you want. That's not going to bring Kyle back. Yeah. Flies out to LA to do the Dr. Daner show. And this girl. Daner? Daner. Uh, Claire is there as well. Yes. Okay. She's going to be in the audience. He goes on the show. Fate cries. His book agent is there and says, you know, we're going to uh, work out a deal to get this book released nationally. Yeah. I know that they're dedicating the new library in your school uh, to Kyle. So uh, there's going to be some publishers there. And by the way, they might want to buy a book of yours, too. So get to the library. And there's a special guest. Normally, I don't like celebrity cameos. But this is funny. This one worked for me. It's Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby comes in and plays the and song. He, and he does, um, he does a very interesting rendition of his um, old song. And it was actually really good. The only Bruce Hornsby thing I know is that uh, Tupac sample. That's just the way it and is. that's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. See no changes. Can't about the game. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. In the Middle this East, not a, of a wall. Okay, 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 all right, all right. Stop, stop. This is not a Tupac segment. Okay, babes. Ugh. We're not talking about Tupac right now. That's so what I said. Get it together, Jim. All right, babes, come on. So Bruce Hornsby plays a song, and uh, <laughs> Kyle uh, Lance comes up to the stage and is talking, and he says, "Kyle was a douchebag." He didn't hang himself. He, he, he died while masturbating. And, and he goes on and on about him, gets off stage. The principal says, you're a real asshole. The girl, Heather, who was so obsessed with him, flips off Robin Williams. Um, uh, your girl, Claire, goes up and hugs Mike. My girl, Claire. Yeah. My girl. You were best friends with her in college. No, I wasn't. And, Robin Williams goes down to the pool area, jumps into the water, and the movie ends. Well. I, I maybe would have changed the ending a little bit. I don't know if it's necessary for him to jump into the pool. Yeah, I didn't get that. I, I didn't really like that. I, I would have ended it with him leaving the library. Yeah. But besides for that one complaint, I I really like this movie. I saw it in 2014 before mm. Robin Williams died. So oh. I caught something from an ex-girlfriend. And as a result, oh, I, yeah, that one. Yeah, I was in bed for about two months and I just got Netflix because I was late to the party. This movie was on it. Saw that Bob Kalkoff like directed it. I'd really liked a film I had seen of his called God Bless America. So I watched this and thought it was very, very well done. I would give this movie a strong eight, maybe a weak nine. No, probably a strong eight. I think it's great. I think it's well done. You don't see many movies like this. And it really shows... It, it really showcases a great performance by Robin Williams. Because it's a, it's a little bit more held back. He doesn't go all over the place like he does in no, some he doesn't. films. No, he doesn't. So I love the movie. Or at least really, really like it. And it's maybe... I, I would say Good Will Hunting is my favorite Robin Williams movie. Mm-hmm. But this is probably second. Hmm. What do you think about the film? I would give it at least a seven. Okay. Um, I thought I, I will. I will say this. You know how a lot of people, when they go to funerals, they say all the good things about the dead person. Yes. But they never said, you know, if they were a horrible person in life. And I and I know people that have asked this question. Why don't they ever say the horrible stuff about them when they died? I mean, if they were a horrible person in life, 
why can't they just put it all out there? I agree. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's right. Because we are humans. We're not perfect. We do make mistakes. Why? And, and I like, and I will say that I, I thought it was funny when he, um, waited till the very end when they're dedicating it, the library to him. Yeah. To say it, I wouldn't have waited that long, mm-hmm. but I did like that he, um, didn't celebrate his son because his, his son was not very nice to people and he wasn't nice to his father and he was into things that other people were not into. And I thought it was funny that he actually said, well, you know, he actually roasted his son instead nice. of. <laughs> Last night when we were going on about the PSAs, I said a good one would be showing that scene from the movie and just the part where uh, where Robin Williams says Kyle was a deuce back. He didn't he didn't commit suicide. He died while masturbating. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and it's like, and, and I I wrote a suicide note and his journal. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Where does this movie rank? in the catalog of Robin Williams films for you. Hmm. It's not my favorite one, but I understand why you would think that um it was well done. Hmm. So you get uh, you get why it's near the top yes, of the Yes. I will say I really hope the actor who played Kyle Clayton was really not this jerky in real life. But yes. if he if he wasn't jerky in real life, he really played a good one on, uh-huh. on, I mean, that's a testament to how good an actor he was because he really was a jerkwad. He's great in this movie, the kid. <laughs> he really was. I mean, he is like the, um, ultimate, uh, rebellious teenage boy. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, I did, I didn't use, uh, gay slurs when I was a teenager. I hope not. And I didn't have access to the internet, but those two things aside, I was a little bit like Kyle. Oh, a little bit, not completely, but I definitely had my more. Salt. But but don't you think that um Kyle was may have been a little bit more angry than you were? Maybe a and it's possible that Kyle was somewhat autistic. I don't know. Yeah, and that he just wasn't. He just was not understood. Yes, but um, but the the kid who played him, I have to say, he did an excellent job, and that's probably why I thought he was such a jerk because he did a good job. Yes. <laughs> I wonder how he felt though. I was thinking about this um this morning. I wonder how he felt assuming that he's still alive. How he felt when Robin Williams um committed suicide himself. I know cuz Robin Williams hung himself. Yes, yes. And I'm like, "Whoa, that is so ironic." He probably felt really really I'm sure he felt thankful and grateful that he got a chance to work with them, but how did he feel when he um, was the one that hung himself. Yeah, and I think we talked about this yesterday, but supposedly Bobcat Golfweight and Robin Williams were like good friends mm. uh, before the suicide. And when Bobcat Golfweight was on Joe Rogan, he said something that I, it's hard for me to get out of my mind. He told Joe Rogan what a lot of people aren't talking about when they say that Robin Williams killed himself is that he had a form of dementia. So the reality that he saw was not the reality that was not, he's, he experienced things that weren't really happening. Uh, something to that effect. And he, and, and he, and his, um, his analysis was that maybe he killed himself because he didn't, he was out of touch with his own reality. Yeah. The, or at least that contributed to it, mm-hmm. which is really, really sad. It is very sad. Um, 
And I wonder how far along was he? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I, I mean, everybody said that Robin Williams is so great and he gave us so much laughter, but I, it really is true. I mean, but it seemed like he might have been, a, it's possible he may have been a tortured soul because even on Mork and Mindy, I, I, um, saw part of a TV movie and even while he was shooting Mork and Mindy, that was a family oriented show. He had a really bad problem with um, alcohol. Yeah. And listen, you can make the argument. Well, we're glorifying not his suicide, but his life in a way, right? Because I'm sure Robin Williams was a jerk to people at some times. I'm sure he did things that he legitimately was not proud of, but we don't know him from that. Mm-hmm. We know the, the fun guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, I'm for real. He wasn't a perfect person, right? But he was a human being. And yes, his suicide gets more attention because he's famous, but one could also make the argument that that maybe dissuades other people from killing themselves because they see that somebody like Robin Williams, who seemingly had everything, killed himself. So maybe yes. that's a reason to get help if he couldn't figure it out. Right, exactly. Own, you know? And that probably may have saved uh, another person's life yeah. that was actually depressed and mm-hmm. not didn't have dementia but depressed. Yeah, it it didn't save Kyle's life, but maybe helped somebody else. No. no. Well, I would imagine that the actor who played Kyle is still around. I so would hope so. If he, I mean, if he actually was depressed and thought about killing himself, that may have saved his life. Yes. So. Uh, we could do a little bit of character analysis. All right. What does Lance in this movie teach us about loss? Mm. And how to cope with it? That people... Um, deal with grief in their own way and maybe maybe and this is my own speculation it's possible that he thought oh I really must have failed my son because I can't understand him and a lot of people can't understand him and maybe I'll make up for it by writing a note that I would have wanted him to write if he was committing if he did write a suicide note and you know, painting my son as a really interesting person when I, when he really wasn't. There's the obvious loss of Kyle in this movie. Yeah. That's front and center. Mm-hmm. But it goes a little bit deeper than that because mm-hmm. we never see Kyle's mom and no. we don't even really hear about what happened to her. No, no. So we don't know if she died or if Robin Williams drew, drove her away through his actions yes. or if she was just an unfit mother. Yeah. So there's the loss of that relationship potentially. Uh-huh. There's also the stuff with Claire. I mean, she wants to keep their relationship secret at the beginning of the movie, but she's comfortable being seen with around Mike. town with Mike. Yeah, because Mike seemingly has everything. Right. But there, there's those losses. And then there's... The loss of creative hope, right? Yeah. Because it starts off in the movie. This guy's rent, wrote five books. None of them have been published. A greeting and he, card. And he kind of says that he's near the end of his rope creatively. Yep. And he, and he's written greeting cards as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. A struggling, a struggling writer. Yes. Struggling artist in some ways. Yeah. Do you think. Mm-hmm. That Lance ever gets his life together after this experience. Um, it's possible that he does and hopefully he learns his lesson, but it's possible that he doesn't. Mm. And he repeats the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Hoping that it's going to produce different results, which is no way to live, honestly. 
what does his neighbor teach us about not letting go of the past? Mm. Um, oh, you mean like when he's talking to her about, um, when he's talking to her about his grief? Well, there's that. There's also. Oh, that's right. He's her, she's a hoarder. Yes. So I really wish we knew more about this woman because she apparently lives alone. And she holds on to things and, you know, she can't, she probably would have a hard time with grief of losing stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just think that I, I think, what did she say? Like, I think that I would need it for something or yeah. I just can't bear to lose it because I, I, I would feel so badly about it or whatever it was. About her stuff. About her stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she's trying to hold on to it. And he's trying to deal with the past and letting go of his son. In a sense, we have two different, we have two different sides of the same coin. Yes. He's trying to move on and she's trying to keep a hold of things. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Um, it would have been interesting to see a sequel to this movie and find out what would have happened be with their relationship. Like, maybe they were, remain friends. Maybe she turns on him as well. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, and I kind of would like to know about, you know, Claire and, and Mike and if that ever goes anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because he, she's only, obviously, she, uh, Claire's only <clears throat> into Mike for his money and, or, or his accomplishments, rather. His status. His status, say. yes. Status and accomplishments. And when, um, when Lance looking like he's a loser in life, she just goes from him to Mike mm -hmm. and back to him and then him to Mike. Yeah. What does, or I guess here's a, here's a different question. Mm -hmm. What do the students teach us in this movie mm. with the way they handle, um, uh, Kyle's death? Um, it's so interesting because they don't, they, you know, I mean, I'm sure that not everyone knew who Kyle was because he was kind of like, um, um, he didn't have a lot of friends except for Andrew, uh -huh. right? Yep. So he was kind of a loner and that was true. He was kind of a loner and maybe they thought, well, maybe we ju misjudged Kyle. Maybe we really did misjudge Kyle, Kyle, and we wanted to, you know, maybe they were trying to make up for it by reading his journal and reading his letter, even though they didn't know at the time that his dad wrote it. Interesting. What do you think? I actually think it goes to something you said about um, people will oftentimes when somebody dies, they'll put them on this pedestal. Yes, they will. And they'll completely neglect the negative aspects of their personality. If any. And yep. these students did that with Kyle because he wasn't liked for seemingly good reasons. Mm -hmm. He's very reactive. He uh, wants to be an alpha male, but he's really a beta. Yes. Right? Yes. And... But yet, they look over that because society has taught them that they're supposed to mourn the passing of somebody. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
But 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 yeah, I mean that that that's very true, and they and I think they're trying to make up for it. Yeah, they're trying to compensate for it. What can we learn from Kyle? Um, don't leave him alone with a computer. <laughs> don't leave him alone with cords or whatever. Um, anything that could hang you. Well, that's one interpretation. Um. It's possible you might be right. He may have been autistic, may have had some learning disabilities because he he was failing in his classes. Yes. He probably had some problems uh, concentrating, and it's possible that he may not have been challenged enough. And it's also possible that it's hard for him to live with Lance for whatever reason, because Lance is a tortured artist. Mm-hmm. His mom is not in the picture, as far as we know. Yeah. Right? So those, those things probably contributed to his negative outlook on life. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Andrew? Um, You know, it's so interesting. I don't... I mean, it sounds like he has come from neglect as well. Mm-hmm. But I think Andrew actually wants to do the right thing. Yeah. I think he is he doesn't want to be like Kyle because he thinks Kyle's kind of messed up too. Uh, be, judging by the stuff that he's showing him, yes. you know, he's kind of a messed up portion. Oh. But I think Andrew really wants to do the right thing. But I also think that he doesn't want to lie about who Kyle really was, mm-hmm. even though he was his best friend and he was his only friend. He didn't want to hold back on what kind of a person Kyle really was. And he was upset with with Lance because he was willing to lie just to improve his status. And I get that. Yes. I get that. Yes. Yeah. Are you glad you've seen this movie? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm glad that I saw it, but it's an interesting movie. Yes, some very strange questions. Because I want, I want to get at the heart of matters. <laughs> I don't just want to say, well, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? What do you want God to say when you get to the pearly gates? Oh my goodness! No. So you are glad that you've seen it. I guess. Yes. I mean, I don't know if I. W- I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say that I was waiting to see it, but you know, I was definitely waiting to show it to you. Okay. Yes. It was it was very interesting. It really challenged my thinking. Um, I still did not like Kyle's character, but the actor who played him was very good. Mm-hmm. I would tell him that if I ever had a chance to meet him. Yes. But I would be honest and say your character was awful. Oh my goodness! In every way. Yes. yes. The the quintessential rebellious teenage boy, or the ultimate one, anyway. <laughs> Would you recommend this movie to anybody? Um, hmm. I think I would recommend it to parents that are having problems with their teenage sons. Mm. That's who I would recommend it to. Interesting. With, um, with discretion, because there are some gay slurs in there and, you know, there are some homophobic slurs and there are some, um, really awful things that were said to, to girls. Um, and then there's some like disturbing pornographic images. I don't know if you were able to see it, right? Not the not the real disturbing ones, no. Okay. No. 
You weren't able to see it well. Yeah, you, you they didn't really show you much in okay. the movie, which I'm kind of glad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't think they would. They probably wouldn't have allowed that. They could have. It was an independent film. They could have shown some more stuff. But it's best that they leave some things to the imagination. Yeah. I mean, I think with discretion. But I do think that it's kind of an interesting way to look at men raising their um, very rebellious teenage boys. Mm -hmm. And how would you deal with it? They probably would be like, well, I would deal with it um, differently than... Lance did, which probably would be the case. Yeah. Or I would say I would do something similar, but not quite like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Do you have any questions about this movie for me? Um, okay. Um, what kind of sense do you get from Claire? Because Claire is kind of a big part of it, too. I get the sense that she is a bit of an opportunist. Mm-hmm. She plays these guys like a fiddle. Yes, she does. And Claire wants what's best for her, which we all do. But I think she wants it at the expense of other people. Other people. Absolutely. And her way of doing it is seemingly less sinister than Robin Williams' way of doing it. Because he exploited the death of his son. Yes. But it's still there. She's definitely exploitive. And in that sense, you could make the argument that maybe they should have been together at the end of the movie. Absolutely. Instead of her, you know, uh, seeming like she's going to be with Mike. Yeah. You know. Because she, both of them were out for their own best interest. Yeah. And, and Mike seems a little bit shallow too. He does. But we don't know, uh, as much craziness about him as we do about Lance and Claire. Yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, Lance doesn't seem as shallow. But when you put, when you combine the death of his son and he's trying to exploit his son while he's dead, mm-hmm. then in some ways he's, he is as, he, he is pretty shallow. Well, here's a question for you. Yeah. Is Lance a good or a bad person? Um, it's possible that he's a, well, I mean, he's a, he may be a good person that does bad things. Okay. But he's done enough bad things to where... Or or maybe he's a little bit of both. Well, we're all a little bit of both, but... I don't know. If you... If gun to your head, if you had to pick whether he's a good or a bad person, I don't know where I go because... I don't know either. He's done enough bad things to get a son like Kyle. Because a parent, you know, plays a big role in how a kid is raised and... We're seeing yes, him in the last days of Kyle's life where he kind of acts like more of a victim to the situation. Absolutely. Right? Because he did ask Kyle, like, what what have I done to deserve this? Yeah. What did I do to you to deserve this? It's not, what could I do to help you with this? Mm-hmm. It's like, why, why are you treating me like this? Instead yes. of, what did I do to make you want to treat me this way? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's, a lot of parents think that way, too. I agree. Yeah. Do you have any other questions about this movie? Um, I just, I forgot to mention the scene when the two girls were fighting over the CD. That's great. <laughs> and then they pick it up and it's, you have Bruce Hornsby. What? And they pick up the CD, uh, teacher picks it up and it's a Bruce Hornsby CD. <laughs> I will say that Bruce Hornsby, when he played that song for Kyle, yeah. I thought it was a really cool version of his old song. Nice. 
It was really good. Anything else you want to say about this movie? Uh, no, I don't. You would give it a strong seven, though. It's as good. I would give it a seven, at least. I know we talked about this last night, but which movie did you like better? Uh, to Sir With Love or World's Greatest Dad? I like To Sir With Love, even though I think, you know, it's only like um, a seven and a half, though. I would, I uh, even though we both say that um, there should be a little bit more depth to the students and the teacher. But you thought it was better than World's Greatest Dad? I did. Really? Okay. Yeah. Where would you rank World's Greatest Dad in the movies we saw this weekend? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I it's it's close to me between that there will be blood and twelve angry men. There will be blood. We didn't watch. I mean, I, I for some reason I keep confusing <laughs> that with No Country for Old Men. No Country for I don't know what you're talking. I don't know why. No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Um. Let me think about that because No Country for Old Men was really good, mm-hmm. and so was Twelve Angry Men. It's close, but I think I would still give it a seven. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Is it is it better than Aladdin? I say yes, but what do you say? Um, I don't know. I like Aladdin. Okay. I can't. I can't really. It's a. It's a different kind of good. Nice. I Th- can't really rate it. That is an acceptable answer for now. Thank you. Yes. Uh, does this movie make you want to watch any more films directed by Bobcat Goldthwait? Possibly. Nice. I do want to show you, uh, God Bless America at some point. What other ones did he direct? He directed a movie on Bigfoot and he directed another film which has Morgan Murphy in it. She, she plays Claire in this movie in yes. World's Greatest Dad. Right. But she's in some other movie he directed called Let Sleeping Dogs Lie. Oh, wow. I haven't seen it, but I only know that because we, uh, asked miss a about morgan murphy last night is that like a drama i don't know because i just said i don't know much i mean you never looked at the the premise of it no i know you didn't see it but you never looked at the premise of it i think she has sex with a dog in it oh jeez. yes whatever yes no I don't think they, they don't think they're ready for that kind of stuff in oh, movies. Oh, oh, we'll have to watch it, babes. Cause I, I, I seem to remember him talking, Bobcat Goffway discussing doing a movie about having sex with a dog on Tom Green's old podcast. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, wow. Way, way back. Oh, in so, the day. so this is, this is true. Like I, he wanted to, he wanted to, um, to look at the, um, he wanted to look at the subject of bestiality. Yes. Wow. I remember something of him saying something like that in an interview with Tom Green in maybe 2011 or 10. It's a even. little gutsy. Uh, and I could be remembering it wrong, but that's okay. how it plays in my head. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So that might be a fun movie to watch. I don't know. But let's keep Fido out of the womb. Yeah. And other dogs too. Yes. We don't have any dogs and I'm not into that. No, I'm not into that either. I think it's disgusting. Oh, good. There's some question with you. Hey! I'm joking, babes. Give me a kiss. I can't believe you. I'm joking. Give First, a, a broad joke. It's really bad. Okay. And this one. Okay, well, give me a kiss. I love you, babes. I love you, too. Anything else you want to say about this movie? Uh, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Bobcat Goldsweet had a, has a very interesting sense of humor, it sounds like. He does. <laughs> yes. But that's what makes for um, an interesting movie. I would agree. Yes. Yes. J-Lo. Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to discuss? 
No, I, I, well, okay, I had a hard time sleeping because I woke up between two, like a little bit after 2.30 and 4.30 something. So I don't even remember when I went back to sleep. And I was out when you were awake. Yes. Except this morning you started coughing yes. around 6.40 and that woke me up. Yes, I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you have any dreams last night? I did not this time. Oh. No. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to discuss, or do you want to kick me out before it gets too hot in here? Um, I don't have anything to discuss unless you, unless you do. I can't think of anything. We talked about all the funny stuff that we talked about yesterday. Yeah. I mean, we watched the Civil War, but uh... oh I... yeah, and then I fell asleep, but you didn't. Oh yeah, that's right. Because um, I wanted to take a nap, but I ended up not taking a nap, and I ended up waking you <laughs> around between like. 5.35. Yeah, that's when you woke me up, and I took like a half hour nap, I think. I was going to take a nap for about a half hour, and it didn't turn out that way. And you just lied on bed in bed next to me? I just laid there. I just couldn't sleep for I don't know why. I'm like, oh, I must have done my sleeping in uh, during the movie, because we both kind of... I mean, it was a long episode. It was good, though. It was like two hours? No, an hour and a half. It was It was a pretty powerful one, too. Yeah. And... um the what what I was awake for was pretty interesting. Well, good, especially the chamber pot. I know the lady pouring water over this guy's head. A picture of it, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Very good, Jay. Well, unless there's anything else you want to say, babes. Um, if you're living in Oregon and Washington, please, please make sure you're prepared. I think I'm way overly prepared, but that's good. That's a good thing. By the way, do you have a do you have a bag of ice in your freezer? I do not have a freezer? bag of ice in my freezer. I should have made you take it. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I still love you, babes. I love you too. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. So we're good, babes. Yes, we All are. All right. Bye, bye for now. Bye, bye. Have a good one. Bye, bye, bye. bye.